What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the hardworking happy hour. I'm Sean. And I'm Catherine. And as always, we'll be breaking down all things trades, entrepreneurship, and turning your creativity into a passion career. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back for another week of the hardworking happy hour podcast. I got, I actually have a drink this week. Oh, wow. I actually have two of them, so we'll see, we'll see how crazy <laughs> this gets. Wow. Um, this week, very, very, very excited for our episode because I I don't want to brag here, but we got, a, we got a pretty good get here. We got Major League Baseball, Cleveland Guardians, not a player, but mental performance coach for Major League Baseball. I mean, we're talking, we're talking some Major League stuff here, some big league stuff. <laughs> Literal big league stuff happening here. Brian Miles. Uh, any initials after that? Like uh, certification? I know that's certifications. Do you have to say them? No, no, you don't say. I'm just, I'm just a guy, man. Just a, <laughs> I, like I, like I messaged you. I'm just a dude trying to help other dudes hit a ball with a bat. So it's, uh, yeah. it sounds fancier than it might be, but I think a lot, of, a lot, a lot of overlap to other things that people do. So it's, it's still fun. Absolutely. We're always talking about uh, our poor mental performance. So <laughs> this ties right in with uh, with kind of our, our normal thing. Um, I mean, just just first off, and, and I, I said this a couple minutes ago, like just objectively, it's so cool. Mental <laughs> performance coach for, for Major League Baseball players. So freaking cool. Um, so we're, we're super happy to have you on and yeah. just thank uh, you for coming on. Share Thanks some time with me. us here. I appreciate and it. I guess a, another little side note: we do know each other. The friend that we are right now doing a backyard for, you were his college roommate, so we've hung out a bunch of times. You also have experience in the landscape hardscape industry because your dad owned a business, so you kind of grew up in it. So you're like the perfect crossroads <laughs> of everything that we talk about, and uh, like an actual expert in it. So it's gonna be it's gonna be good to get like some. Some actual advice here from the rambling. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've listen. I've been through it, man. I uh, I have so much respect for the work you guys do. I just like the way I had respect, obviously, a ton for my dad and uh, and growing a business and in the landscaping hardscape world. And I mean, let's be real too, man. It's just there's nothing better than seeing a finished product and knowing that your hands and and hard work did it. So I mean, it's it's just. Uh, it's super cool, and obviously, it's it's obviously great. You know, Sean, like we spend a lot of time together. So and yeah. I've been following you guys. Follow your journey, dude. It's there's like nothing I love more when I just need a little break from my own stuff. <laughs> just hit up your hit up your Instagram, and I'm just like, dang man, that's some good stuff. Some good work you're putting together there. So I love it. That's awesome, man. So um, so let's let's I guess jump into it first and foremost. Um. Tell us what what does this what does this mean? You're a mental performance coach for, um, yeah, I think now a lot of people have heard about this this kind of thing. It's it's become popular, you know, maybe from some TV shows and stuff like that. Like this mental performance thing, I feel like Tiger Woods made it pretty popular, like this and Kobe Bryant kind of thing. But yeah. like, break down like what what does this mean? What is your job? Just tell us about it. Yeah, I. Uh... I do think that over the past couple of years, there's been a spike, I think, in professional athletes um, or just high performers in general, talking about the need for like an additional coach for their mind. 
Um, you know, when, when we really like break down what it is that we do, sometimes we talk about like, oh, like, yeah, I'm a strength and conditioning coach for your mind. A, a lot of people know what strength and conditioning is, trying to strengthen and enhance the body. And, you know, as you, as you look at the comparison in the, the mental game, I mean, that's, that's the job, right? The, the role is to strengthen, enhance the, the mental part of your performance, whatever that is, right? And, you know, we get, we get fixated on the idea of professional baseball, but, um, you know, performance is performance. Uh, you know, I'm a dad, you're a dad, like being a dad performance, being a husband or partner performance, um, what you guys do, high performance, it's, it transcends into, to business, into tech. Um, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity to do some talks with folks at NASA, at Google. There's just, again, it's like, as you sit back and think about what your day to day is, if you look at it as a performance opportunity, um, it's pretty cool the way that your mind can dictate a lot of what your body does. And so, um, I think that's, that's how it it's played out. I mean, again, similar to you guys, like with your passions and stuff, I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm, I am truly fascinated with the human potential. Like that's my gig. I just, I'm, I'm like, how can we get better? How can we get better? And again, there's, everyone's so fixated on the physical parts of things and don't get me wrong that plays out in 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 a lot of our space but i mean the physical is driven by the mental and it's like if you can't influence impact control the thing between your ears it's just you're gonna have such a more difficult time um you know with the physical part of of what you're trying to accomplish yeah that's like and and as you're saying that i'm actually thinking like the I think the athletic portion of like the mental performance that's actually probably been in like the public eye for longer now it is like you know you see mom bloggers that are like mental performance you know uh aficionados and like you know people in tech and like the c e o and and like the modern entrepreneur is like so production driven and so keyed into like a lot of these concepts so I guess I guess it's kind of the opposite. Like the the athletic thing, I think, is where a lot of us kind of became familiar with it, with the the Mamba mentality, like Kobe yeah, and Tiger, yeah. and visualizing like that that ball going in the cup, and uh, you know, Happy Gilmore, you know, just no doubt home. the original, yep. <laughs> the original man. But now it is so so much more widespread, and and a lot of this is is perform. You're performing at everything that you do. Um, Talk about how you got into it. Like, what what was your, you know, training? What, what what's a background look like to get into this? Yeah, I think uh, you know, like most people, probably just a failed athlete. So that would that would be me, just failed athlete. You know, because I played with some of your friends. So uh, maybe maybe we're all failed athletes here. But I think um, I think just a, a passion for understanding the mind and the brain. I mean like most people, you have some sort of spark or, or interest in it. I mean, I go all the way back to like senior year in high school, even taking AP psychology and just being like, man, this is, you know, and that was like a, a basically a psych one-on-one class. I remember like one of the first things we learned about was cults. And I'm just like, oh, wow, this is like, this is really interesting. I'm like, is this what you get your degree in psychology for? This is super cool. You know, it's like, oh, we're going to learn about cults. And, and even just like through, through my time at Montclair State, you know, and, and my bachelor's degree, um, you know, no clue what I really wanted to do, but always just so interested in, you know, whether it was like my evolutionary psychology class, like, um, you know, psych of adolescence and like learning about children and their brains, 
Um, just so many different unique opportunities to to start to understand like what the brain does. And then again, as you get into like even more so just like the neuroscience around it and like how you build habits, like the fact that the brain is topographical. So like all of our body parts are like right next to each other with our neurons firing, like the idea of how you learn something new, like neurons that fire together, wire together. And that like, there actually is real estate in our brain. Right. So it's like, at some point we just don't actually have space left. And so like, if you want to learn something new, like you have to basically like let something go, which is why I always joke. I'm like, yeah, it's like, that's why you can't remember half the crap you learn in school. Cause it's just like, you're not using it. Right. It's like, you have to use it or you lose it. I just, all that stuff was just facilitated over the course of undergraduate. And then, you know, I decided to get my master's in, um, in athletic counseling from Springfield college in Massachusetts. So went up there and, you know, like most people you're in grad school and everyone expects you to like, know what you want to do. I want to do like 50 different things when I was in grad school. I was, I wanted to be a soccer coach. I, I was working at an inner city school doing academic advising. Then I wanted to be an academic advisor. Um, and then I worked at an outdoor learning center. So I was like a, like a, a ropes course and challenge course instructor. And I was just like fascinated with like how we can bring like adventure therapy into like how we do high performance stuff. And you know, it was just like hanging out in the woods all day, just like belaying people and like, you know, climbing trees and stuff. I was like, this is what I want to do, you know? And, um, and then I don't know, I just, I, uh, I'd gone to a conference. I saw some folks that were doing work with the military that obviously like was, was really interesting to me to talk about high performers. Um, and so when I graduated, um, I mean, I guess for like honest answer, I just like couldn't find a job. So I was like, oh, I got an idea. I'll just like, go back to school for another year. So I went back to school for another year, got some, uh, ad- I got an advanced uh, graduate certificate in, in mental health counseling. So I actually like got to understand my, my education in mental health was there, um, did an internship, like had a choice about whether I wanted to go that route and get licensed. Um, that time kind of helped me realize I was more interested in the performance side than, than the deficit side on, on the mental health side. And so, yeah, you know, just kind of kept tackling along. I was, I was, you know, going home every Friday actually in grad school and, and mowing for my dad. Cause my dad was just like <laughs> sick of mowing. So me and my buddy would go down in the morning. We, we'd mow the like, you know, nine, 10 businesses and like, like, uh, like private properties that my dad had, he'd give us like a hundred bucks and we'd be like, Oh sweet. Like we're in grad school, like hundred dollars. Like awesome. Like this will get us through the week weekend of drinking. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just, you know, again, the military was always something that was, was interesting me from the performance side. So that's, that's how I got the opportunity to interview for a position there and packed up my life and moved to, to Fort Bliss out in El Paso, Texas and worked there for a little over two years and then tried to get closer to home, ended up going to Fort Drum in upstate New York where the 10th Mountain Division is and got to work there for a little bit and, you know, um, just through some networking connections got the chance to interview for the the job here in Cleveland. And this is my 10th season. So I've uh, been wow. here for over a decade. This is where, this is where my daughter was born. My son was born. Um, you know, Megan and I, my wife were, it's weird to say, man, we're Clevelanders. I guess it's like the longest place I've ever lived. I'm like a Midwest guy. It's kind of odd to think, you know, as a New Englander in me, I'm like, I don't know if I can ever say that, but it's uh it's been a crazy journey man it's it's super cool to sit back and reflect on i'm sure like you guys have done about you know how you end up where you end up it's just all because of the failures that you've you've had and the mistakes and adversity um and just like a lot of times the sacrifices of of willing to like take a risk and risks are usually you know what gets you to where you want to be can you talk a little bit about like like you said you went from working with the military to then 
baseball, which are obviously both incredibly high performance, stressful positions. Like what is the overlap and what is what's different between those two things? Like how did you find that transition between the two? Um yeah, it's it's uh you know, the performance skills themselves are, you know, how you describe imagery to somebody is how you describe imagery. Um, I've, I've actually like, I've sort of noticed there's, um, there's, there's more things that like lend themselves depending on maybe what the performance is. So I found myself in the military and I will say like in the army, we we're doing a lot more like education teaching. So it was a lot more of like standing up in front of a classroom and talking, but I did find that we were like pretty heavy on like attention control, like how quickly we can shift your attention, which I think makes sense for, for military, you know, you're, you're in a Humvee and you're the gunner and you're like going down a road and you're scanning. It's like, yeah, like you have to be able to like shift your attention field pretty freaking well, you know, to like recognize a threat or recognize something's not a threat to be like looking for IED, whatever, whatever it might mm-hmm. be. Like we found the, the attention control frame or, or attention control, um, you know, concepts to be like pretty important for the military. Not saying that that's not important here in baseball, but the interesting thing about baseball is it's like as a soccer guy or, or, you know, some of the faster sports, baseball is like super slow. And so it, uh, it's similar to golf. It just like allows you a lot of time to think, um, which, you know, just gives you a chance for shenanigans to get in your head and good, yeah. bad and different, whatever it might be. It's the, the slower the sport, the more time to think. And so, um, we've realized that I think in, in baseball, especially, or potentially in golf as well, similar sports, like when you have that time, you're often pulled into the past or into the future. And it's like, you know, you get fixated on the past about what happened, whether it's like a bad call an umpire made or that you swung through a pitch that you should have hit. And you're like super fixated on that. And then you're just not in the moment. It's really hard to hit a hundred mile per hour like ball when you're just not there present. And so mm-hmm. you're, you're fixated on that or you're fixated on the future. Like, you know, I strike out and like, now all you're doing is like thinking about your next at bat and that you know, you're not in the moment. I think it's anyone that's ever played golf. It's like, you're just, you're stuck on your last shot. And then it's like, you just like not like, so your next two shots are crappy. You know, it's like, it's, um, so we find that idea of being mindful of being in the moment to be really important. And again, that's, it's important in the military too, but we've, uh, we found that it's just like, there's those different spaces that you kind of play in depending on what's going on. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's just so, I mean, the present moment thing I've, I've found is transcends, I think as, um, as parents or as like, as, partners in relationships i think with with self cell phones you know watches like you're constantly being pulled in a multitude of directions there is attention vampires everywhere just like vying and sucking for your intention and how disciplined can you be to just be in the moment anyone who's got kids or or a partner it's like it's so easy just to like be looking at your phone right it's like so easy and you're just completely missing the moment with a kid or a partner that you're like never going to get back. And I think when you look at it that way, I'm not trying to make any parents feel bad out there, but it's sometimes like it pulls on, it pulls on my own heartstrings where I'm just like, am I being present? So like I, you know, you put in guardrails, you just leave your phone upstairs, right? It's like, it's not that important. You just leave your phone upstairs or you turn your phone off or whatever it might be. And you like, yeah, you choose to be in the moment um, with like a four and a two-year-old who are just absolutely crazy. Like that's, that's the choice you make, you know? Yeah, I think being in the present moment is probably like the most difficult thing to do on earth. Like in this, 
society right now. Um, I am admittedly not good at it at all. Um, I try, you know, I've really tried to be mindful about being mindful. Um, and yeah. I've talked about it on the podcast a lot. I see a therapist. Um, it's been great for me. And one of the things that she told me was like, you know, it's really easy to fall into thinking about something that happened at work or something that's going to happen uh, in the future. But you just need to remind yourself, like, my job right now in this moment is is to be a dad or in this moment right now, it's to be a partner. And there's times for it. Like, there is a time to be the business mm-hmm. owner, or the, the person that's thinking about these problems, but it's not all the time. And it's with all the distractions in the world right now, it's so hard to, like, be in the present moment especially in baseball when you're like, you know, you are just off uh, less than a millisecond, I guess you're missing that ball. Um, and I never thought about it like that, where the slower the sport or the the thing, the more time you have to have those like thoughts kind of creep in and just mess with your head. And I see it with all my friends who play golf. They think about it way too much and then they just completely mess it up. I'm great at just leaving the last shot behind it, and then I can get right on to my next terrible shot and <laughs> not let it affect me whatsoever. But um, that's that's just so fascinating. So, like, what are what are some of the ways that? Um, and I think we we said did we did we mention that you're with the Cleveland Guardians? Did did we we just said major league? So I said that in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're good. That's not. Yeah, like, that's our, you that's our our people can be like. Okay, what what exactly? Um, <laughs> what are some some things that you do to to like train that? Like, it's a muscle. What are some exercises mm-hmm. that you can do to try to stay in the moment? Well, you, you briefly talked about. It. I mean, mindfulness uh, now. I mean, nowadays, especially like you know, while we joke about the phone maybe being an issue, like it's also awesome. There's tons of apps out there for mindfulness. You know, so Headspace, the Calm app, like you name it, it helps you train your mind for recognizing without judgment that thoughts come and go. You know, Andy Pettacombe, who's the the voice of of Headspace and, and sort of founder of it, um, he like my it's like one of my favorite analogies. There's a couple of analogies for like mindfulness, but he just talks about like you're just sitting on the side of the road and you're just like watching traffic, right? And like the cars are all of your thoughts and you're just like you're watching them come and go, right? Like that's what that's what you do. And the idea of like being very fixated on like one of the vehicles there and just like, just like stuck on it. And you're just like, kind of like, why it's like that. That's the idea of getting very fixated or stuck on a particular thought or, or thing that has happened to you. And the fact that you're just like missing all these other things coming by, um, you know, somebody, somebody else uses an analogy of just like leaves in a stream and they're just like all kind of flowing and going. And like, you just think about that idea of like the flow of it. And that's just the way our mind works. Just, constantly having thoughts that they come and they go and the ability to train that is the idea of sitting you know focusing on your breath being able to come back to something like your breath when you recognize that you are fixated or stuck on a thought so if you're if you're focused on your breath and you just are working on just like counting your breath in and out and then you sort of realize that for the past like 15 seconds, you've just been like thinking about something different or thinking about something off of that. It's the idea of being able to come back to your breath. And like you hear most people talk about mindfulness, it's you're doing it without judgment, right? So it's like, you're not like, oh my God, I suck at this. Like I'm the worst, you know, it's not, it's not that. It's like, oh yeah, like that's totally normal, dude. I just like, I kind of like went off on this thought. I'm going to come back to my breath. It's the ability to do that and being disciplined to come back to your breath that allows you to practice that idea of being in the moment, which is, is really obviously very helpful. Um, 
in baseball though, I will say we, um, we try to provide kinesthetic cues with the, the idea of being in the moment. So what part of it is, is being disciplined, self-aware enough to know I've lost control, right? I've lost control of my emotions. I've lost control of what's happening. So like I'm a hitter, that ball that just came in, I thought it was a ball umpire called it a strike. I'm pretty irritated. I'm pretty frustrated. Now I'm O2 instead of like, you know, whatever should be like, like one O or two O or whatever. And so I recognize I've lost control. Right. So that's the first part. And then you do something about it. Like you're being disciplined doing something. So, so in our, our world, it's like, Hey, call timeout. And for some guys, they need to loosen their batting gloves. Right. And like you, you see it all the time in baseball. Right? So they loosen their batting gloves. So maybe that for them is like, and, and we say this is like, when you loosen your glove, you take it, like un- unvelcro it, you're releasing the tension of what just happened. You're releasing the last pitch, which anyone who has tight gloves on, you know, when you loosen them up, it actually feels kind of nice. Like, oh, it's like nice and loose, right? So you let go. You're letting go of the last pitch by just like losing the tension. And then as you tighten it back up, you're using that cue of just like the tightness on your wrist. Like, okay, I'm back in the present moment. I'm back. I'm going to go, right? Like that works for some guys. For some people, they need to like take their foot and literally wipe away the last pitch. So they'll wipe their bat- the batter's box and they're choosing to wipe it clean. Or a pitcher on the mound, they're going to choose to wipe the rubber off because they're frustrated or irritated. Or they're going to choose to walk to the back of the, of the, of the mound, take their hat off and stare off into the distance in whatever city we're in. And like, that's their thing. I'm taking my hat off, I'm taking a deep breath, and I'm just going to go back now. It's like that idea of taking time to let your discipline play itself out. Um, and I think sometimes where we miss out is just we're not disciplined enough. We we just try to like be old power through it. You know, oh, hopefully it'll get better. I'm just going to power through it and leave it totally up to chance, you know. And a lot of times it's like, why leave it up to chance? It doesn't guarantee success. It doesn't guarantee. But it's like you're giving yourself a better opportunity to be successful when you choose to let your discipline win. Because, I, I mean, every incredible result I've seen is on the back of discipline. There's no doubt about it. I think it's, it's really interesting how you, you said like connecting it with something kinesthetic, like, like unvelcroing the, the, the gloves. And obviously like those are, those are the things that you see batters do all the time. And like, you know, they're so keyed in on like a routine or a way that they do things. And I think that's just a, a really good way that anybody can come back to it like join it connect it with some sort of action like okay i have lost control i am not in the moment i'm i'm like letting my emotions get the best of me at work or at home like think of something it can be like okay let me let me unbuckle my my apple watch and and buckle it back in but like we we read about this in in habits and and all other kinds of stuff like the more you can link things the more you're able to to stick with them and and it's easier to remember and and just keep everything connected. So I think that's a really interesting tip that you can just do. Like when you notice that like, you know, you're either not in the moment or you're losing control of your temper or whatever it is, or or you're just like kind of going down an anxiety rabbit hole, like do something physical to like remind yourself, okay, this is my reminder to like take a breath, start over. Um and if if it's good enough for professional baseball players, I guess it's good enough for guys and gals that built decks and backyards and stuff, right? I think it works, man. I, I'll say taking a deep breath never hurt anybody either. So if you're uh, 
if you if you true and again like deep breath what that actually means is hand on your chest hand on your stomach trying to get that bottom hand out further than the top chest it's just so interesting the way that we've all as human beings as we get older we cut our breath off like you ask anybody to take a deep breath and they go and you watch their whole chest move and their upper torso move or like in a worst case scenario sometimes you see people go you know like whole shoulders go up and everything and it's like we've completely forgotten how to breathe dude like Shanti, you've got babies like i've i've had baby like we've all seen a baby you ever watched like a baby when they don't have their shirt on how they breathe you just see this like buddha belly go in and out that's how we're born to breathe we're meant to breathe from our belly diaphragmatically like that's how it's supposed to be and as we get older we cut that breath off and we don't receive the same benefits of a true deliberate breath like yes is it a little uncomfortable to push your beer belly out for sure it is like not everyone loves that but if you want to reap the benefits of what a diaphragmatic deliberate breath actually is it's actually putting your hand on your chest and your stomach and trying to get that bottom hand out more like there's so much benefit to just finding your breath and that's like the way to do it is to get that bottom hand moving more. I like that. I like that tip, like a physical cue of, um, you know, what, what your what that deep breath is supposed to look like. Because when I first started, um, getting into meditation, it was like such a, a weird eye opener to be like, ha, like once you, your eyes are just open to like, what, what does my normal breath look like? Like, Right. How do I breathe during <laughs> like, this? Yeah, and then you start thinking cool. about breathing. You're like, oh my god, I've never thought about breathing. Now, am I doing it right? Is this what your yeah. breath is supposed to be like? Right? Have I have I been messing this up the whole time? How has this been happening? Exactly. Um, that's that's super cool. Uh, another question I have for you, because this has become, you know, you're in a professional setting where, and you've been with a, a major league baseball team for ten years, so like it must be working. You must be doing something right because, uh, you know, any professional team, they're always looking for, for somebody to blame for why something's not working. And Hey, we're losing too much. We got to fire somebody or everybody and, and restart here on Instagram and social media. There's, there's so many experts in this mental performance or motivation or, or just this, this whole like sphere and most of these people are, you know, either have no accomplishments or some accomplishments, usually no like actual training besides watching other influencers talk about this stuff. Um, how do you sift through this like woo-woo kind of stuff that's just like, you know, just unfounded that's just, oh, that's that sounds good. Let's go with that versus true scientific-based approaches for what you're doing because I think you know, you probably get more frustrated than anybody when you see somebody just like kind of peddling just just some nonsense that, that just sounds kind of cool and doesn't really have any sort of scientific basis. How, how do you sift through that kind of stuff? I appreciate you saying the word science. Um, science is the, the backbone of what we do. And um, so I guess I'll, I'll say up front, like the work in baseball is built on relationships. And so, I mean, probably similar to what you guys do, right? Like your relationship with your clients and so on. Um, I am 100% in the relationship business. Now, don't get me wrong. Like I'm really proud of my ability and capacity to understand the brain body connection and all that stuff. And we'll talk a little bit more about that with how I sift through stuff. But hands down, the most important thing in my job is relationship building. And, you know, 
so, so, I mean, connection is the glue to relationships and relationships are the glue to psychological safety. And then once you unlock psychological safety, man, like the world's your oyster, like what you can accomplish, what you can do. It's like pretty awesome. And so I value relationships so, so much. And I think that a huge part of, of connection and psychological safety and relationships is like knowing when to say something and definitely knowing when to say nothing. And I find myself saying nothing a lot more than I say something. and. Um, that's, you know, that kind of ties a little bit into to what you're talking about, like sifting through things. If the mental performance coach is the loudest one in the room, it's probably a concern. If the mental performance coach is talking about the work they're doing with individual players, it's probably a concern. If the mental performance coach is taking success, uh, if they're taking success for other people's success, it's probably a little bit of a concern. I think there's a lot of that stuff. Um, but really what I look for is is individuals that that teach and come from an understanding model of mental performance so the thing is is we we very much used to, like you talked about just the how it used to be perceived we, we used to come from a deficit model which is real right like 10 years ago 15 years ago it was like oh like you're in a pretty big slum why don't you go talk to that dude that has an office with the door closed that nobody knows about but you should probably go talk to right like it was <laughs> always the uh you're a little jacked up bro you should go talk to that guy right like go talk to the mental skills person the mental performance person uh that's very much what it was and I'm so lucky to be working in an environment now where it's not like that. And so as I think about the idea of what mental performance is, and when I think about looking at other excellent mental performance coaches, it's about them having an understanding model. And the understanding model is, I recognize that there is a brain-body connection. And my job is to help help individuals understand the brain-body connection, understand that there is this host of systems and processes that occur physiologically, right? That's what we're so in tune to. I'm in, I'm in tune to my emotions. I'm in tune to my physiology. I couldn't tell you what I was thinking about this morning. No clue. Couldn't tell you. But if I ask anyone, you guys included, or anyone that we're working with, can you, can you describe to me the happiest moment of your life? And right now, I mean, the both of you right now are 100% trying to think about what the happiest moment of your life is. It's in your brain. You're creating images. You're creating pictures. And now you're both kind of smiling, one, because I said a joke, but two, because you're slightly thinking about the happiest moment in your life. And you're experiencing some sort of emotions that slightly bring you back there a little bit. And if we really dove into this and decided to like use some like imagery and talk about what that actually is, you both would experience something physiological. And the fact of the matter is that we are in tune to our physiology. We are in tune to our emotions. And our brain drives all of that. There is a host of biological things that happen to us when things get hard, scary, exciting, whatever it might be, which again, describes what a high performance environment is. So our job is to help high performers understand those. And then those high performers get to make informed choices. Now, it's not my job to tell them what their choice is. That's not what I do. That's why they're professional athletes. That's why they're the best soldiers in the country. That's why they're, they're high performers. My job is to set them up for a position where they get to make an informed choice. They get to be like, you know what? This is exactly what Brian was talking about. Like, like in terms of, wow, when I get into these uncertain situations, he talked about this idea that like my amygdala and my lizard brain is going to kick off and it's going to set off this chain reaction where I'm going to start to be a little bit uncomfortable. I'm going to get sweaty. I'm not sure about my decision-making. Okay. Then again, it's that person's choice to decide what they want to do, but they understand the systems and processes that occur in their body. Like that's the, I hate saying magic sauce because it's such a cliche, but it's like, oh my gosh, that's what it is. Like it's unpacking all of these things that 
probably all three of us experienced when we were kids or when we were like young adults. And we were thinking that like, is there something wrong with me? Like, why do I get so nervous before a speech, soccer game, test, whatever it is? Like, why do I feel this way? And now you understand it. And it's almost like, it's not that it's less scary, but you, because you're informed, it doesn't catch you off guard. And it allows you to like have a little bit more time to make the decisions you want to make. So as I think about what I'm looking for and searching for, it's those people. It's like, they're the ones that are empowering their high performers to make the choices. They're not making them for them, but my goodness, are they the most informed, understood high performers that are out there? And do you have badass relationships with them too? That was, I was like, I don't know. That was, that was pretty awesome. You've, you've like, first off, I feel like if you wanted to start a cult, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm probably, which is good. I did. I learned how to do it. Right. I learned I what they do. There. That was so. like, that was like really good. I, don't, I feel like taking advantage of or something. I just feel like that was so like well-spoken and like so well put that, um, you know, you're, you're just trying to put these people in a position to make that informed decision. And you also laid out kind of all the things that make kind of a good, uh, the things that are going to make kind of these like good mental performance influencers are, are the things that are like, <laughs> you know, the things that kind of like eliminate them from like contention of being an actual mental performance coach, just being like braggadocious and being like, you took my class and now you made a million dollars. You can too, because I'm the best. Um, that was that was <laughs> That's like, how they go. Yeah. yeah, such a cool way to put it. Um, I one of the things that it reminds me of, and I don't know if you hear this a lot. Like you're saying, the relationships. Like obviously, you can't make an impact on a player, or I mean, it, that just goes across the board. I can't make a connection with an employee or a client or or anything like that unless like we have a trusting relationship. Like no you can't tell somebody how these things are going to work unless they're bought in and they believe in you and they trust you. Um have you seen Ted Lasso? I mean as a soccer guy, of course I've seen Ted Lasso. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Come on. Like the sports psychologist <laughs> that comes in and you know really yeah. unlocks Ted Lasso's thing he's so resistant in the beginning like you know Mm -hmm. he's so against it and then finally once he trusts this person she's able to help him and um hopefully that's a reference like more people more people will get Catherine. i know you haven't seen it but you have to it's oh come on we're gonna need to get that on the playlist there you can use my you can use our apple plus password (laughs) we got you we got you um yeah i mean that's just it's so freaking fascinating um do you what? Yeah, I like, feel like I've kind of commandeered this whole thing, Catherine. You, you, really <laughs> I've been stealing the, the spotlight here. Go ahead. I feel like this kind of stuff, like we've talked about, has been like more recently adapt, like taken more mainstream. So it's more understood and more, you know, widely known about. Do Do you find it like hard to take these players and? teach them these things or is there any resistance there is still or is it kind of like so widely used now in your sport that it's an easy sell yeah it's um so you know our our players that when they come from college you know you can draft so you can draft a player when they're a junior in college or you can draft Mm -hmm. a player when they are a senior in high school i think our, our college players are typically a little bit more exposed to it um so the cool thing for me, again, baseball, very unique sport. 
Um, it's one of the few sports where you can get you get drafted and it typically takes you between three and six years to actually make it to the major leagues. Mm-hmm. So, you know, most of the other sports like football or basketball or whatever, like if you're a high draft pick, oh, like you go straight to like the first team, right? Like you go and just play. Um, so we actually have a team of mental performance coaches here. I'm just like, I just happen to work with our major league team. Um, we actually have, uh, we have four additional mental performance coaches that work all with our minor league teams. Um, so I always joke around, like, I just kind of reap the benefits of them doing exceptional work. You know, like they're, they're, they're often the first face of mental performance that our players see and they're incredible human beings and just like excellent, uh, relationships builders and just like unbelievable at understanding the process of what our players need. And so, um, the, the, the pushback is not there. It's just, again, the capacity to like, right. The urge, it's probably like you guys experience it too, where like you just know a lot, like, you know, a lot about your craft. And like, I happen to know a lot about my craft and it's, I, I, as you probably can tell, like, I'm very excited about it sometimes too. And so it's like, I have to use my own self-regulation to just be like, I need to build a relationship with this dude before I try to like just unload on him about all this cool stuff that I know and like how I can help him and everything like that. And so it's like, yeah, like maybe I have to sit there and talk to him about like Fortnite for two weeks or talk about like video games or like, like Ted Lasso or like the, you know, Game of Thrones or some show that we all know or, or whatever it is, whatever the connection is. Um, you know, we talk about aliens and stuff. Aliens seems to be like a big one with our guys. Like they just like love talking about conspiracy theories and aliens, <laughs> but like we, uh, you know, you like, you gotta be able to do that. And it's almost, I mean, it's kind of similar to the Ted Lasso situation. It's like, like once they realize that you're there for them. Right. And it's like, there's no hidden agenda. There's no special thing going. It's like, you're just there for them. It makes a big difference. And I will say, um, our players like overall are very open and, and, and gracious about the work we do. I do think like you talked about the trust part of it, Sean, it's like um, part of the trust slightly happens naturally just because like I sacrifice very similarly to like the, the players and like our coaches do as well. And our support staff do as well. Like we all travel together, right? Like we all, we, we miss like, we're, you know, we're on the road. Like, you know, I miss my kids' birthdays. Like I, I miss holidays, like you name it. And it's like, we're all kind of doing it. So that travel party that's constantly on the road and stuff, like we're all in it together. You're winning, you're losing like that type of stuff. Um, and I think that, that our players do have a little bit of respect for, for the idea that like we're willing to make those sacrifices for them. And, um, and that helps to alleviate some of that, but man, we're, we're so lucky. I, I will also say baseball and golf, probably like, really ahead of the curve um i don't think you'll hear that sentiment in some of the other bigger sports they just haven't gotten there yet basketball and football um hockey not so much even like european soccer like obviously what i fall it's just like it's just not as prevalent i'm in the dugout for our games like just the bald guy in the dugout just looking (laughs) no hair no hat like everyone always jokes just like b miles we always see you on tv i'm like you don't just always see me on TV. If I had a hat on, I would blend in like everybody else. It's just that pale, bald head, man, just sticks out when the camera pans on the dugout, and there I am, you know? So it's, it's like, like – those things yeah. where it's like, what, I, I was, who is this guy in the dugout? It doesn't look like a, a, uh, the manager. He's definitely too old to be a ball boy. Like, what? <laughs> what who is this guy? Okay, I'm gonna, I'll tell you a funny story, but there – so – 
I got hit up by our uh, like one of our media guys. He sent me like a private email and he was like, I thought you would think this is hilarious. And so I cl- he sends me a link. I click on it. It's it's a Reddit post and then like a bunch of threads about uh, it was a picture of me. And it was like and it literally goes, who is this guy? I see him <laughs> on TV all the time. And it was just like. And then, like, people started making fun of me. They were like, they were like calling me like some pro wrestler or some of the other people. And they're like, just like this whole thread about. And then <laughs> I, I must have been one of our media people because someone finally chimed in with like my bio. They're like, oh, I believe that's Brian Miles, like the major league middle performance coach. But it was like a whole <laughs> subreddit about like who this bald dude is in the dugout. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I stand out like a sore thumb. Must be. That's that's pretty amazing that's awesome. too. <laughs> that I can see like some conspiracy theories like like uh, kind of blossoming around that. So I'm glad that got that got squashed. We did. Um, <laughs> another like you're dealing with the highest of performers, like the people that are at the top of their game, the best in the in the world. Um, are these techniques? And and I'm starting to already feel like I know the answer to this. Are these techniques like? Are there specific ones that are going to just work for people that have kind of already been in this mental performance game and are already super high performers? Or are these techniques like the ones, same ones that are going to work for the super high performers and the best in the world? Are they going to work for just the very everyday person that just has a regular job and, and just does regular stuff? <laughs> We all, hey, listen, we all do just regular stuff. It's just, uh, yeah, I I do think as I look at like uh, like the lens of my life and sort of how it's it's transformed, especially just being a dad and like I, I, I identify so much with that because I just like love it so much. It's, uh, it really is the day-to-day stuff. And um, it's, you know, maybe it's like scaled out. Like I, I think potentially our players have more opportunities to utilize the skills because of the opportunity, you know, whatever we play like 162 games in 180 days, like, right. Like we have a lot of opportunities to do that and practice those skills. Right. So it's more about like just the opportunities to do it um, because they just do it every night. Um, But you know, how you, how you manage your attention every single day, everyone has that opportunity. Um, You know, one of the yeah, uh, it's a phrase that's like slightly irritating, but it's used all the time. It's just like control the controllables. Like people just throw that out like nonstop, right? But I, if you like start to unpack what that actually means and like look at your life day to day, the idea that you know every day you get to make a choice of where you spend your most like important uh, resources and commodities, right? So like our most por- important resource and commodities as human beings is our attention, our energy. Okay. You have a finite amount of it. It's like, I'm talking like a water bottle filled and like, all you have is your attention and your energy. And it's like, where and who do you choose to give that to? And what you start to realize is like, if I'm choosing to give it to things and to people that I, you know, can't touch, manage, influence, and control remotely, then you're like wasting that resource. And if you think about your day-to-day and goodness, like if your business is anything like my dad's business, like you have to deal with just a lot of stuff that happens that you can't control. That don't get me wrong, it's probably like wicked irritating. It is, like I'm not downplaying that, but it's the people who just fixate and like get stuck with their attention and their energy on that and just waste it away 
And that whole day is stuck on this one thing that happened, right? Like, I mean, I just, I, I was just like thinking about my dad, just like all the crap, right? The like, the, the tractor that breaks or the like, the guy who's supposed to deliver material didn't show up, like the weather, I mean, you name it. And it's like, and, and then it just is like, just completely ruins the day. And it's just so real as you think about your day to day, you think about the idea of like going home to your person or your people at home. And that's, that's the version of you they get the depleted energy, the depleted attention. And then you have nothing left for them because you made the choice to give it to something or to someone that like, it just didn't deserve it. It didn't deserve your energy. It didn't deserve your attention. Like, those are the tangible things that you get to do every day. You get to make that choice. It's like it cracks you up, right? Like you drive. I mean, you guys are from Jersey, man. Like driving down the Turnpike, Garden State, worst drivers in the world, and it's just like you're gonna get mad at that dude that cut you off, and like you're just gonna be pissed off when you show up where you're supposed to be because some guy cut you off. Like that's a choice. That's a legitimate choice. And there is a wild freedom when you just let that stuff go and you empower yourself to make a choice about what and who you give your energy to. It's like, it's pretty wild how it feels when you do that because man, it just, it, it, it drastically impacts the relationships that those people around. We already talked about how relationships are just like the most important thing. Yeah. That like how you pay your attention is, is such an important part of, your life like people say time is the most precious resource but it really is attention because it's it's you know that is going to dictate like how that time is spent and that's such a good reminder to to have every day is like you have that choice how you're going to respond to something you can't control everything happening to you but you can control how you respond to it and i think that's that's one of the great things about um having ADHD I guess like I'm not able to focus on things <laughs> that long so like I'll be like really upset and pissed off and then I'm just, like I'll forget and I'll start thinking about something else and I'm, then I'm just over it so it's like that that puppy kind of mindset works really good it causes me a lot of grief in other areas when I can't focus on anything but in that one particular thing it, I can turn a new leaf pretty quick because I'll forget about it um <laughs> that's that's just so so impactful for everybody and it's it's frustrating almost because it's so so simple of a concept but it's so hard to practice in your daily life and like the more you're aware that this is a choice you're almost like hard on yourself like ah, i'm i'm mad right now and i know that it's a choice that i'm mad and like you know you can like it, you just have to like give yourself grace to like like mindfulness, just notice that you're there. And it's not when people say, Hey, I can't do meditation because like uh, my mind's all over the place. It's like, then you're the perfect person to start practicing that because yeah. that's when you get, that is the practice is like the more opportunities you have to bring yourself back to the breath. That's what's going to build that mental stamina and that mental concentration. So like you're going to be great at this because that is what meditation is. It's coming back to the breath. If you never leave the breath. There's not a lot of opportunities for practice there. So, um, so interesting. Just the, wow. the, it's always the simplest things that are the hardest to do. And you need like those, those reminders 
to just kind of be forefront of your mind to know that you're the one that's in control of a lot of these things. And, you know, everyone wants to look outside of themselves to blame their situation <laughs> on. But a lot of times you are just as culpable in where you have arrived, you know, because uh, you have that you have half the control of the situation. You control how you react. And that's half of every interaction. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, man, you're just preaching my stuff right here. You know, you could just pass this all along yourself. We're good. <laughs> just all the stuff that I needed to hear. Like this is this is all the stuff I need to be reminded of on a daily basis. Like, so that leads me into my next question. How do you what tips do you have for people that are everyday people that can use this stuff mm-hmm. to keep it front of mind? Like that's the biggest thing for me is just like just to have it at the forefront of my mind to remember to let things go, to, to remember to come back to the breath. What are some tips to just have that there? Yeah. I mean, if you're, so I'm a huge, I actually really love like sticky notes. I don't know, like, I mean, organization um, or whatever calendars in the back. I think Catherine, I see you got something over your left shoulder. It's like, it's nothing. Uh, yeah, you got, yeah, yeah. Calendar. I mean, I have my daily planner. It's all right. You know, um, I'm a big sticky note guy, honestly. Like if you if you haven't had to have a sticky note just in your mirror, just like to remind it when you wake up in the morning, brushing your teeth, you just have something there that 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 part that's that's front of it. Um I've also found that engaging with other people uh, about these things is really helpful. So I mean, I, I know I talk about my kids all the time, but like I uh and it's funny, I share this with like a lot of the boys from Montclair, um, because we all have kids too, and we we're just talking about like um how we're like parenting, you know, and it's uh, social media is like great and bad for parenting. Cause it's like, it can make you feel like a pretty crappy parent. Just if you like get fixated on the the parent algorithm on, on social media, where it's just like, Oh, it's like 90% of your time with your kids is gone by the time they're 12. And you're like, great. Like, I'm just like, ter-, you know, it's like, I'm terrible, whatever. <laughs> but, um, you know, the idea, like, I mean, there's tons of literature on, on growth and fixed mindset. So Carol Dweck, um, the book mindset's like absolutely fascinating. Cause, um, so Carol Dweck's a researcher and her, most of her, uh, research was on, on children in school. And it, uh, it talks about, you know, how we praise, uh, kids nowadays. So, right. Like, yeah. And, and Sean, maybe we're just as bad at this, but it's like, kid does something like, good job. It's like, or, or you're just like, oh, you're so smart. You're so good. You're so great. And it's like, that's not teaching them. So it's like not helping them understand like what they're actually good at. And so the idea of praising the act or behavior of effort or like praising the hard work. And we know that like in, in growth and fixed mindset research, like hard work is the, is the key to mastery and like understanding feedback is the key to mastery. So it's like Marlo's four. Right. And she's like, I'll be honest with you. She's like pretty good at coloring. I'm not going to lie. She's like pretty damn good. So I like, I was like funny, like Megan and I were sitting there and I'm like watching, I'm like, I'm like, I literally said, I'm like, did you color that? She's like, yeah, I colored that. And I was like, Meg, did, did she color that? She's like, yeah. I'm like, you didn't color that, Meg? She's like, no, I didn't. So I'm like sitting there, you know, the natural inclination is like, oh my God, Marlo, you're so good at coloring. Like, that's what you want to say. But it's, it's, I, we've like, Meg and I have had conversations about like, like I want to praise the work. Like, that's what I want to do. So like my, my conversations with my four-year-old are very much around the idea of like, Marlo, I've been seeing you practicing coloring the lines. And like, I know your teachers have talked about it too. Like, I'm so proud of you for how hard you've been working at that. I don't even talk about the result. I talk about the idea that her hard work is what got her there. Because over the course of time, when she hears that hundreds of time over her four, you know, when she's four years old and five years old and six years old, she's going to start to recognize 
that like it's not just this natural gift that she has. It's all based around hard work. Like that's how you include other people and you start like you talked about like how you make this front of mind and make the changes as you're helping to facilitate changes in those around you. This isn't just about kids, it's about your significant others, loved ones, partners, whatever it is, employees, whatever. Like it's gonna change the way that you think and the way that you think about your work and what you're doing and how you're included. And um it's just it's it's so fun to like watch a little mini me and you're like you're like you recognize that you're influencing and shaping the behaviors of this human being. And so, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I, I know that that's maybe not, I mean, whatever you can do, stuff, put reminders on your phone, all that stuff. But I just think like living it with another person is just such a powerful way to, to elicit behavior change. That was deep, man. That was, that was <laughs> great. Like, and we're, we're, so we're, we also do like a weekly, um, book review, like the hardworking happy, hardworking happy hour book club, and right now we're reading um, Hidden Potential, and that's like one of the parts in there is about education and teaching, and I mean, and I've I've heard this, you know, throughout school and everything. Like the way to really master a subject or a concept is, you know, you you learn it, then you can can kind of like get your legs under you, but then you really like get a deeper understanding for it when you start to teach someone else this yeah. skill. And that's like, I don't know that, that I, I feel like that's such a good tip for people. Like use it to, to teach and, and help somebody else. And if you're focused on that, it's going to put it at the forefront of your brain for yourself. And I think that's, it's obviously something I need to do. Like that was such a great, tip because all i ever say is like max you're so smart oh my god how'd you do that that's you're not uh, it's, it's, that's all it's i ever okay. like because i'm just like amazed like oh my god you're yeah. so smart and like really all i'm gonna do is just gonna be like feel like he's just like this entitled kid like oh i'm so smart my dad said <laughs> i'm like the smartest kid he's ever seen but like that's such a good point like praise the hard work that it took to get there or like the the problem solving or, Hey, I saw you didn't yep. give up when it didn't work the first time. Yes. Yes. I'm so proud of you for sticking with it. Um, yes. Praise the behavior. Yeah, yeah. Praise the behavior. Love that. It's, I, it's so hard though. It's so hard. <laughs> We're just like conditioned to say like, good job, buddy. Like that's, <laughs> that's what we do. Right. <laughs> I'm just, I'm also laughing because I'm like putting myself in my shoes tomorrow and Catherine's going to be like, I don't think that's what he meant when I go to work. And I'm like, Catherine, I am so proud of you for how you with that. We put that permit in and it was so annoying, but you stuck with it. And she's gonna be like, Sean, I don't I don't think you're I don't think you're grasping this here. Yeah. That would be funny for the vlog maybe next week. That would be good. Yeah. Praise the behavior, man. Everybody needs to love that. <laughs> oh man. Um, I got I got a couple more questions here. We're we're kind of running up on an hour. I hope we're not taking too much of your time here. No, no, all cool. good. Um, and you're so you're at spring training right now in Arizona. It's true. Yeah, okay. sure am. Yeah, it's, it's uh. It's so it's cool. what time is it? It's only four forty eight here. Um, yeah, I got done. We're we're out here from February 9th until March twenty sixth, and then we uh fly to Oakland. We start on the road. We play Oakland. Seattle and then Minnesota and then I get back home April seventh. So, jeez, oh my gosh, so yeah, it's a it's a long stretch. It's yeah, a long stretch. and I know that there's like 
you know, 162 games of baseball. Is it really in 180 days? Yeah, it's like something like that. It, it might have changed, but it's like it's relatively close to that. Yeah. So it's like you get like literally like 18 days off in. Yeah, I think so. Man, it might not even be 18 days. I don't know. They're like spread out. Like four of those are like the all-star break. So it's actually less than that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like when you say it out loud like that, you're like, damn. That's crazy. That's pretty, like, that's pretty crazy. I know that there's like a Phillies game on like almost every single night, but yeah. that's like, sure is. that is a serious grind. That's yeah, crazy. man. Plus you're just like traveling it. all over the country and a little bit of Canada throughout mm-hmm. that. Um, Time zones, man. We'll get you. Crazy. Yeah. Um, I have a couple, I have a couple more questions. Catherine, do you, do you have any that you want to jump into? Um, I think we had all, we covered all the ones that I had written down. So. Okay. Go ahead. All right. Floor is mine now. All right. <laughs> let me see. Uh, all right. Favorite books. What do you got? Suggestions for us, for our listeners? Like, what's what's at the top of your? Um, try to keep it under like thirty books. Under thirty books. Yeah. All right. I'll send you my book mind, list. Everyone... I, I do have a book list. I'll send it to you oh. after this if you guys want to post it on something. Yeah. But um, top books for me: uh, Obstacle is the Way and Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. Uh, big stoicism guy um yeah. the book peak by anders erickson so he was the one who came up with a ten thousand hour rule so it's like really cool to learn about practice and like how we uh how we learn things um for any nerds out there this is like the nerdiest of the books but it's called the brain that changes itself by norman Duji. uh it's a book on neuroplasticity it is fascinating fascinating it's all about the neuroscience of the brain about how the brain is malleable um the old adage of like you can't teach a old dog new tricks is like just a complete bs like it really talks and breaks down like how we do that um that's incredible obviously like i already mentioned like mindset by carol dweck but that's like an og great book um man i uh you know, I don't, I, this maybe isn't everyone's cup of tea, but I, I do love like Mark Manson's book, uh, the subtle art of not giving an F word. I don't know if you can swear on this or not, but like subtle art of not giving an F. Um, so yeah. it's, uh, it's like really great. It's a lot about like what you give your energy and attention to. So, um, huge fan of that. And then, um, this is for anyone who's like a little interested about the mental performance world, but isn't uh, like down to read like a super large book. And it's a little peculiar, but it's uh, it's called The Inner Game of Tennis by um, is it Tim Calloway? I believe it's Tim Calloway. I might be wrong on that, but The Inner Game of Tennis, it's not about tennis. Let's just say it's a super short book and it's got some absolute gems in there about mental performance, about mindset and stuff like that. So those would be the ones off the, the top of the dome, but I, I legitimately will send you my book list. I, I get asked by like grad students sometimes like, Oh, like what book should I read? I'm like, here's like 40, go for it. And like, yeah. just pass them on. But they're, those, those are probably the ones that have influenced like the way I do my work the most. Um, for sure. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. I can't wait to, uh, read some of those. And yeah. we're, we're, uh, we do a, a basically like a weekly, uh, book that we read and talk about on the podcast. So, uh, that'll be awesome. Yeah. You guys are just bettering people. That's pretty awesome, man. <laughs> we're just, we're just, or, you're bettering yourself, but That's like, you like share it. That's what I dig. Oh my God. We're, we're like, we're already living some of this stuff. We're, <laughs> what do you mean you already are? You are living some of this we're, stuff. We're, you are living this stuff. Our whole thing about our podcast, well, it changed, it changed relatively quickly after we started it. When we started, it was like, you know, we're going to like, let's talk about all the things that like we, we know a lot about, like, cause we're, 
we know a lot of things. Like, so we need to share <laughs> it with people. Let's not be too about yeah. it. And then after like three episodes, we're like, all right, well, that pretty much covers it. So uh, <laughs> what are we going to do now? Like, now what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and then it turned into, okay, well, let's just talk about the things that like, because we're, we're ran out of stuff that we're, we're good at. Let's talk about the things that like we're, we're messing up on and we don't have the answers to, but you know, let's kind of like stoke that conversation for people listening with themselves. Like, we don't have the answers, but we're going to talk about how we're trying to kind of work through it. And and hopefully that kind of just sparks that question in yourself. Like, okay, hey, maybe I need to think about these things because a lot of this stuff sounding like problems I have. So um, that's very cool. That's that's kind of our whole thing because we're, we're, we realized we got humbled very quickly. It was like a, such <laughs> a shockingly small amount of episodes before we're like, oh, God, what, what are we going to talk about? This? Like, we covered <laughs> everything um so yeah this one I, I, wait, I have oh one oh, oh okay I, just because i'm curious you said you were done i know i'm sorry i thought of something all right fine. Um, God. so something that we talk about like we love social media because it's kind of created this like network of peers for us do you feel like you have that like i feel like your job is so niche do you have like a network of peers that you rely on for motivation and support that's a great question. I uh, I 100% have like a uh, a very small circle of folks that I absolutely adore and respect the way they go about their work. Um, the yeah, like I so I actually met I met quite a few of people in baseball. So like two of my best friends both like used to work in baseball. Um, they they now are like just do like private consulting and stuff like that. Um, but I have like you know a couple of other mental performance coaches that I, that I call when I'm just like, I don't even know what to do right now. Or like, I'm totally stuck. Um, it's by my boss actually. So she's a clinical psychologist. Um, and she worked at the United States Olympic committee. Uh, her name's Dr. Lindsay Shaw. She, uh, so she was the lead psychophysiologist at the USOC for about 10 years. Um, and so she's a clinical psych. She's a mental performance coach like me and she's a psychophysiologist. So she's like wicked smart. Um, She's like a rock star to me. I, I talk to her every day and you know talk through the mental performance stuff that I'm, you know, questions or things I might have. But um, yeah, having a circle is really helpful. My circle also is like um, way different than me. And that's probably like the best part of it is like, I, I don't think I have like, a, like we maybe have like similar styles, like energy, whatever like that. Mm-hmm. But like the way that my friends go about their work is so different. And like, I can't do the stuff my friend Justin's can do. And I can't do the work that my friend Lauren does, um, like the way that they do it, but mm-hmm. their perspectives on like this world is just fascinating. And um I got yeah, I just I love it. If you you know, I I realize as I've gotten older, maybe it's the same for you guys. I've gotten older, my circle's gotten smaller. Um, but man, like those ones that are in it, just like I don't know. I just love surrounding myself with people that are like way better than me. They're totally better than me. So I I know I'm lucky. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's awesome um i i'm always really fascinated about daily routines for me it's one of my biggest things like when i am you know feel like things are going good and like i can concentrate and and just things are 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 really humming for me it's because i'm in a daily routine where i get you know certain things done like i'm exercising regularly i'm i'm eating well i'm doing meditation and mindfulness and all that kind of stuff um it's I noticed the big, it, it has such a huge impact on me. So I'm interested to know, like, you have all this knowledge about all of these tools and 
like that can almost be kind of like crippling sometimes it's like the the contractor that has the house that's falling down or the, <laughs> the shoe maker that has the messed up shoes or whatever that saying is what's your daily routine look like and is it easy for you to just be like oh i'm locked in like this is my thing not a problem i'm a, I'm a pro about it or is it can it be really challenging for you as well to stick with stuff like that yeah i um i so I, I sort of chunk it with like, I guess it depends on where I am. Um, so if I'm on the road or like, for example, I'm out here without my family. Uh, well, my, my routine at spring training is like pretty set up for me. I mean, I, I get here at like six o'clock. I have a meeting at 645 every morning. And then, you know, I have, we have a staff meeting at nine. And, and so, and then we're out on the field and then, you know, so I, I have, it's like pretty laid out for me. Um, when the season starts, it gets a little bit different. So if we're on the road, um, I actually do have like a pretty good routine in the morning. You know, I'm in some city and we're staying at a hotel. It's like, I always will try to find a coffee spot that's like a mile away so I can like go walk there and just get outside. Um, and just like, I'm also like obsessed with getting my steps in. So I, uh, I, you know, get my steps in. I'm like, I'm equally obsessed with coffee. Um, and so I go find a good coffee spot, you know, and just kind of chill there. Like whether it's like read or, or catch up on some work, do some things there. And, um, you know, I, I just like to, to get outside as much as I can. And when I get back to the hotel, it's just like, you know, whatever you do some work. Um, I also like my, my coworker is a former Marine. So, um, we should like try to bust out pushups all the time. So like, I just like, I'm like, oh, I'm just going like, to bust out. Like <laughs> I'm trying to do like a hundred pushups a day. So I'll just like bust out like 10 pushups at a time. Everyone like will walk by our office. Like, what the hell are you guys doing? Like, don't worry about it, man. Don't worry about it. We're just, just getting our pushups in. But I just like try to do some of that stuff. And then, you know, you, whatever you catch your bus to the, to the field. And then it's like, Oh, like, here we go. The, the day starts. You got all the baseball stuff going on. Yeah. Um, and you know, but in terms of like eating and things like that, like I, I try to, I, I intermittent fast. So I try to eat my windows of, of time where I'll eat and like, so whatever I'll eat lunch at like 1230 and then I'll eat dinner at five and then just be done for the day. Um, when I'm at home, it's like a lot different. My, my, my time is very much chunked that like the second that Mac jumps on my face at like 6am, my, my son, it's like, I only think about like what I'm going to do with my kids and my family in the morning. So it's a lot of like, how can I take the kids out to do stuff so Meg can have some time by herself? God knows she deserves it and needs it when like, you know, she's just caring for these kids all the time I'm gone. So it's, it's very much like, what does my family need for these, you know, five hours that I'm home in the morning, six hours I'm home in the morning. Um, so I could care less what the routine is. I could care less about my own wellness. It's just my, my cup is filled by being with the kids and being with Meg. And then, you know, maybe I play a little catch up when I get to the field and stuff like that. But um, I try not to be too strict. I try not to be too rigid. I don't, I don't get upset if I don't get one thing in during the day. Um, I recognize that like it's better to be gracious with yourself than be upset with yourself for like not getting something done. Um, but you know, I I I recognize also how lucky I am to to actually have some um, specifics like things that happened every single day for me that like help me create a routine. It's some some people have to like really be uh, diligent with themselves, but I also think that the the best performers are also like pretty mentally agile and flexible. So um, that's part of it too. I think that's like just such a good way to put it. Like be gracious with yourself. Cause one, one of my things is sometimes I can be like too, like I'll know my ideal routine. And then as soon as I like mess up or slip up on it, it's like, uh, I'm like, you know, beating myself up about it. And then, then it's like, all right, well just, let me just eat as much junk as possible till Monday and then start over and I'll never make another mistake ever again. And I'll never slip up. And obviously that doesn't work well. Uh, you can imagine. So 
being gracious with yourself, I think is a a good reminder for people, like just try your best, try to be consistent with these things, but also be a little, like give yourself a little bit of grace because it's, it's not easy. And it's, it's sometimes not even possible to do these things every day, even though you see these, you know, oh, yeah. motivation. You, no, you see the highlight reel, man. Oh, screw that. Every day. Screw, screw that <laughs> shit. You see the highlight reel. Yeah. Social media is the highlight reel. No, it's not real. It's yeah. not real. Life's messy. Life's complicated. The social media is the highlight reel. Don't don't get it twisted. It's never as pretty as it looks. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. We're we're over an hour here. Thank you so much for just like taking the time to chat with us. Yeah. Thank this you. was like so fascinating to me. I feel like we could talk for like <laughs> five hours. We'd love to have you on again to like you know get into some more questions with you. Um, you know, where can people follow you? Do you want people to follow you? Should they just put it all? <laughs> like no, they, they, it's, I appreciate that. I will listen. I appreciate your guys' perspective on stuff. It's like, um, it's funny. Like, I mean, Catherine, like I obviously have like, been following you because of Sean, but like, I always remember like, again, like I remember our experiences and time together. Seansky was like, yeah. you like the optimism and uh and gratitude that you showed when like what we were like 20 and 21 like obviously hasn't shifted to like nowadays and you know i like look at you as like a dad and like a husband and stuff it's just so cool to see and the it's like it's funny i i I text like with some of the guys from montclair and it's like i hear you talking about things that i talk to players about it's like you know like i said it's I, i call it hunt the good stuff and you guys are just like what's your good thing it's like you're doing and living those things like both of you so it's it's super cool to see how it's all played out like obviously i'm infatuated by like the badass you know patios and like decks and shit you guys put in but i'm like also just just good people that like share good stuff like i said like you guys are doing it for the betterment of yourselves but you're like bettering a lot of people so I just want to say that I, and I'm not just like saying, cause I'm standing in front of you guys the microphone. Like I actually do believe that. Um, so I, uh, I would love to come back on. I was, I was joking with my, my, uh, my coworker. I was like, maybe my dad and I will come on together. My dad would tell you about all, all the tough times at Elven Glade landscaping back in the day. Probably tell you all the stories about me being his worst employee. So, yeah. um, we could have, you know, we already did have my dad on and, uh, it was, I think he did. He did accuse me possibly of being his worst employee. Like, I don't want to say it, but I had to fire him. Like, yeah, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this on here, but yeah, I yeah, have to let him go. Yeah, that would be. I fired him. Yeah, it'll be like my dad's. Like, I gave that guy a ton of breaks and blah blah. blah. So yeah, no, I appreciate it. But if someone, yeah, if you guys want to follow, I have I have Instagram and Twitter. I I try to post mental performance stuff on there. Uh, it's just Brian C Miles. Um, I'm on like LinkedIn too, and then. If uh if anyone's interested in just more mental performance stuff, I have um a couple of years ago, those those two of my people in my circle I talked about, we did like a little ten episode series on YouTube called the Mindset Show, where it's kind of similar to this. We just riffed on mental performance topics and just mess around. So if anyone's interested, that's out there too. But uh yeah, man, I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you guys again. It was wicked yeah. fun. Uh, and we'll look out for you in the games now that we know we'll be able yeah. to see you in the uh, dugout. Hey, we, okay, so we come to Philly <laughs> this year. Uh, end of July, we're playing the Phillies in, in Philly. So uh, I'll, uh, I'll probably, uh, that'll be like the one game that'll actually be on TV for you guys down there. Really? So find them and I can get in the dugout with you? Yeah, you can get the dugout. Yeah, listen, <laughs> Sean, you know I'll be at Mike's house, so I'll probably be hanging out in, yeah. uh, in a really in a really nice backyard. So we'll have to get together for sure. Yeah, we should come, we should come, be come done by we should be done by July. I think. We I hope. So. I hope so. <laughs> 
Oh, I appreciate you, seriously it. so much. Like, uh, this was so fascinating, so cool to be able to talk to you. Like you, like I said, objectively just have such a cool job. You probably hear that all the time, but it is super cool. Um, and we appreciate it. What do we say at the end of these? I'm always so bad at ending these. Uh, Till next time. This has been go. the Hardworking Happy Hour. <laughs> yep. See That's you it. next week. All right. <laughs>